You're tuned in to East Tennessee's premier sports radio call-in show. This is The Drive. Hello, good afternoon, and welcome. Settle down. Simmer. This is Bear. Uh, Obviously, uh, if you haven't figured out by now, Russell will not be in today. He is under the weather, and hopefully he will be back in tomorrow. Tony Vitello, his interview has also been moved to tomorrow. We'll have Coach on to talk about the upcoming season. Um, We will have... Uh, Rocky Top Insider's own Rick Butler will be joining here next, here in about 10, 12 minutes. Uh, He covered Rick Barnes' press availability today, so he's got the freshest information on the state of Tennessee's, uh, I don't know how you would describe it, Marcus, maybe a reeling basketball program? Debacle of... of, Uh, uh, I don't know if I'll go that far. uh, but uh, got a lot to talk about today. We've got the Super Bowl to break down, uh, Tennessee basketball, obviously. Probably won't get into too much Tennessee baseball today. Um, unfortunately, we have to start the show on a sad note as Tennessee lost uh, a legendary figure uh, earlier today in Gus Manning. Mm. Died at the age of 99. Uh, my phone won't cooperate. We're off the rails here. Passed away this morning at the age of 99. Uh, was the last direct link to General Neyland. Uh, General Neyland hired him in, I believe, 1951 or maybe 1950. Uh, Knoxville guy, graduate of rural, he's a rural high school bear, golden bear. Um, served in the Marine Corps during World War II. Uh, then, obviously, after he got out after the war, I graduated from UT class of 1950 and then took a job. Uh, General Neyland hired him in the athletic department. Mm. And he worked there until his retirement in 2000. Um, really, it's it's impossible to quantify or, under you know, know what his true impact was on Tennessee athletics. We'd be in a lot different place uh, today without Gus. So uh, just in – but it, what an incredible life well lived. Yeah. 99. Oh, yeah. That's hard to do. Yeah. That is hard Fought to do. Fought in World War II. Uh, a member of our last great, you know, the greatest generation. So rest in peace, Gus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But we will pivot from that. So Should we, do we want to talk basketball first? No, nah, I'm, 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 I'm still not. <laughs> That's fair. Not uh well. Can I share? Not I, quite ready. I have a. I have a bit how of a was your How you. was your weekend? It was a bit a, rough. You got a beef with but me. But I have a bit of a beef with you. Does this involve your your parlay? Yeah. I warned you off, Kelsey. Not only did you warn me off, Kelsey, but you got into my head and I didn't bet at all. Good. Good for you, Marcus. Let me tell you what. 
would have happened, though. You just needed to break, man. Can I tell you what my parlay was going to be? Sure. Kelsey, anytime touchdown was 70 yards. He had a touchdown at 80 yards. Did he get to 80? Yes, he did. Okay. Trust me, I know. He. I also had Jalen Hurts, anytime touchdown, ended up with three. I didn't warn you off that one. I, you, I, you spooked me from betting completely. I also had uh, A.J. Brown with a touchdown and 50 yards. Had that. Devontae Adams with – or not Devontae Adams. Uh, Devontae Smith with 50 yards. He yeah, had. I mean, those are all no-brainers. Yeah, but once you got in my head with Kelsey, I was like, oh, I just shouldn't do it at all. And then, of course, I had Kansas City winning. Bro, so. you're really bad at gambling. Like, like you're, you're like – I would have hit everything – the first time I would have hit anything, and I let I let the whole Kelsey conversation Friday get into my head, and I didn't bet at all. He didn't hit a lot of his others, from what I understand, after being on Talk Sports earlier. Oh, really? Yeah, but you know me. I don't really understand sports gambling, so. I mean, clearly I don't either, but. It's really not an act. I just, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. That was, y'all start talking all those numbers and stuff that you all do, and overs and unders and pluses and minuses and. I'm still learning it though, but for me, I just I compare it to like fantasy football. That's how I think about it. Oh. But yeah, no, it was. Um, but my advice to you is just more as an like an older brother. Yeah, you know, sure. You're really bad at this. Yeah, maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's not for you. It does hurt that I would have hit that one though. Well, it's the most drive thing ever. That it is. It really uh, is. I talked to you, finally talked some sense into you, and then you could have turned five dollars into like sixty thousand. <laughs> I don't think it would have been that much, but boy, would that have been nice. I would, however, have told you to bet. I like. I if if I had, I did. Un, I learned a new term last night. Mm. The octopus play. Okay, I've not heard this before. It's a it's a bet you can make. It's if a player scores a touchdown and scores a two-point conversion. See, and I would have probably bet that because it's Jalen Hurts. And, like, I really didn't think it was that surprising that, A, he ran in, you know, sneaked in a touchdown, and then, B, that was the perfect play to call with him. Oh, for sure. I just got the numbers out there on the edge. And then, I mean, he's a tank, dude. Yeah. That guy. So, I going into that, the, the, the Super Bowl um, – which kind of an odd side story. I, I had issues during the Super Bowl. What kind of issues? There was an incident at the Super Bowl party over at Cody's house. <laughs> so that, I missed. That doesn't like, surprise me. I missed pretty much. I missed a huge chunk of the game. I have so many questions. I don't know. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into it later. Okay. But um, from what you did see. It was a pretty good game. Uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I mean, the the play of the game, uh, and and he said it in his in his post uh, post game development. He took full responsibility for it. The play of the game to me, the difference in the game was Jalen Hurts just handing that football mm. to was it what's that guy? It was a Christian Scott that oh uh, Boston Scott Boston Scott that got the. Um, I mean, just a gift. Like, here, dude, go score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how does – I mean, he just dropped it. Yeah. So – Well, there's that, and then obviously Kansas City was still in field goal range, but that penalty obviously made a massive difference to the time on the clock, 
We don't know if Philadelphia could have gotten the ball back for one last drive if they would have had more than just six seconds, if they could have at least tied it up. Yeah, I guess my whole – and I, I saw in, and I saw the player, uh, the young man that, you know, he – Bradbury. Bradbury yeah. said he held him, but I'm more um, with Greg Olson on it and just more – if you call – I just want consistency. Yeah. If you're calling a game, um, if if you're if the referees are calling a game, you can't suddenly shift gears and all of a sudden start calling something. That to me that I, that may not be right or wrong. That just bugs the hell out of me. Sure. When you call a game one way for 58 minutes, it's like you're changing the rules, man. Yeah. You've got us out here. We've started the game. This is the flow of the game. This is how you got what you guys are calling, what you guys aren't calling. Just keep it consistent. Is it Bradbury may have held that man? Everybody was holding all the time. I mean, it's football. Yeah, I definitely think that there was worth a holding call. The issue I had was watching the play. It didn't seem like the ball was catchable. Like that. That was my yeah. Big thing. That was the other thing too. I mean, that thing was rainbowed. I mean, it was. Either he was going to run the perfect route and catch it right before he went out, or it was going to be incomplete because Pat Mahomes is that guy. And mm-hmm. in that moment, that's what a great quarterback does. He's going to put it in the one spot that either it's going to be incomplete, out of bounds, or it's going to be a touchdown. Yeah. So, but to me, the my biggest issue with the Super Bowl last night, outside of my personal stuff, was the condition of the field. Oh, yeah. Because I think it directly, unfortunately, I think that affected the game more than the officiating. Um, sure. I think it completely neutralized Hassan Reddick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that was part of the problem with – it was a problem for the Chiefs. I mean, Philadelphia was just firing off, and it seemed like Chiefs' defensive line couldn't get their footing. And it just kind of marred the game a little bit, so – yeah, there was a lot of good. I mean, it was overall. I feel like a really good Super Bowl. I was kind of pulling for the Eagles. Yeah, I and you know my issue with the Super Bowl was that I was constantly getting updates from our lovely fans about AJ Brown scoring a touchdown. So, I I did think about you. Yeah, no, I I got some uh, I got some messages from people just straight up just saying AJ Brown. And I'm like, yes, thank you. I I know. Yeah. I'm crying over here. I get it. It's upsetting. You seen the you know the meme of the little kid with the veins bulging out? That's him. No, that's not. About AJ Brown. He loves AJ Brown. We shouldn't yeah, have new- traded him, Bear. It was it goes down as the dumbest the dumbest ass trade in the history of football. It's pretty bad. It, it's yeah. I mean, it, it's not a Herschel Walker for your entire draft for like five years, whatever the the Vikings did that. Oh yeah, that trade. But it's it's uh, it it's up there, man. It hurt. It so, definitely hurt. But yeah, it was an incredible game. Uh, hats off. Uh, congrats to VFL Trey Smith, mm-hmm. Super Bowl champion. Love it. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Found out. Uh, I didn't realize this. Grant Williams is an Eagles fan. Because he had retweeted somebody. I can't remember who it was, how he said. Where is he from again? 
He might be from up north. He's from he's from North Carolina, I think, isn't he? I'll find out. That's terrible. But terrible he, on my part. He uh, he retweeted somebody who was saying couldn't happen to a better player when it comes to Trey Smith being a champion. And he said, love him, glad that he's a champion, great guy, great ambassador, but really hurts as an Eagles fan. Huh. So that was something I learned today about uh, good old Grant. Let's see. He is from Houston, Texas. Grant Williams is. That's where he was born. Oh. I I could have sworn I thought he was. And, yeah, he went to Providence State School in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. So. Okay. Strange being from Texas and being a yeah being an Eagles fan. You think he'd be a Cowboys fan? So maybe he got tired of hearing about the Cowboys. Maybe, but pretty wild Super Bowl. Um, I just wish that thing was heading. You know, that thing was heading for overtime, dude. That would have been something. They would have kicked the field goal. I think the Chiefs would have done enough, bowed up their backs to keep them out of the end zone. They would have kicked a field goal, and then it would have been on. Yeah, because yeah. I, don't, I don't think the Eagles had enough time to unless they hit some big pass play, but they weren't. Devontae Smith and AJ Brown weren't going to get behind him on a last last drive. No, that's what I mean. Like if they if they didn't call that play against Bradbury, there would have been Chiefs were still in field goal range. They would have at least taken the three point lead still. But yeah, you would have given you would have given the two minutes roughly two minutes with no timeouts. Yeah, it was point. somewhere around there. But, yeah, they could easily march down the field like that without timeouts. So The way that they were moving the ball, I, I could have absolutely seen it gone to overtime or, or the Eagles with a last-second touchdown to win it. So. Yeah. Uh, they're they're going to be back. I mean, even if you lose some of those older players like on the defense, like Brandon Graham, uh, maybe uh, Fletcher Cox, you, you, you have the big three on your offense with Hurts, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith. To me, they're they're a prime team like the 49ers that should be contention teams for a while. I don't see anybody de- dethroning them from the uh, from their division. Well, no, and I, I can't remember where I heard it today. It, I was it, I was in the car, and somebody had a really good take that it was uh, it was going to be easier for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles to get back to the Super Bowl than it is the Chiefs, as good as Mahomes and Reed are, and that team is. I could believe that. But because of the elite quarterback, elite quarterbacks in the AFC versus the NFC. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts, I mean, he's he held his own with anybody, obviously. I mean, yeah. could have easily been talking about him as Super Bowl champion and he would have been the MVP had he won absolutely and would have been much deserved all right we're going to take our first break here on the other side we have Rick Butler from Rocky Top Insider former drive intern um he has got a ton of the freshest nugs concerning Tennessee basketball and I am myself am looking forward to hearing them And we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Drive on Fan Run Radio. Welcome back into the Drive. We are joined now by one Rick Butler, 
from Rocky Top Insider. Rick, how are you, sir? Hello, I am good. It's good to talk to you, Bear. It's good to talk to you, Marcus. Russell, not here today. So uh, how are you guys doing? Um, I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling double duty. Yep, I could tell. Yeah, I was, and uh, I didn't find out that I was pulling double duty until after I began my first leg of the double duty. So it's kind of a bummer. Well, it, it definitely seems like a long day, especially after we had a little bit of a long night yesterday with the Super Bowl. Obviously, you've already talked about a couple of things that have happened there. But, you know, it's funny. When you, when you had texted me today, I believe something along your exact words were, is there a chance that you could come on the show? Russell is out today. And I must have just read that poorly or, or something because I was under the impression for about five minutes there that you had brought Chance Collins, my guy Chance Collins, back into the show. But uh, instead, I just misread the text message. So, well, we're good there, though. <laughs> I, I really don't know what to make of that. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's been a stressful uh, eighteen hours for me, Rick. So, Rick was at the Super Bowl party. I partied uh, super style with Rick last night, Marcus, and he was there for the the trouble. Did he did he lead into the celebration? Was he the the ringleader of all of it, or was that Cody? Oh no, no, that has nothing to do with the trouble. Oh okay, no, no we were having a great time. Everybody's having a good time. Good food, good friends, good good conversation, a great football game. And then it all came crashing down, Rick. Yep, yep. It, uh, it, it was a little bit of a dramatic, stressful situation, to say the least. I, I would not have wanted to be in your shoes, and I'm sorry that you are in those shoes today, uh, dealing with the outcome. But uh, we had a good time nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. So we didn't bring you on here to talk about the Super or to talk about the Super Bowl party, Rick. You went to Coach Barnes had a media availability today. Uh, yes, that would be correct. We got a chance to talk to Rick Barnes and, and uh, Jonas Adu for a couple minutes here today, and then the basketball team is set to hit the court any minute now. So uh, yeah, they're the basketball team getting back into a groove here to start out the week. But we did get a couple of good nuggets from Rick Barnes along the way, a couple of injury notes. Uh, it, it was a solid press conference overall. Okay, let's hit on uh, the big one, um, the injury notes. Is he, Did he give any kind of update on Phillips and or uh, Triple J and what their status is going forward? Hey, say that one more time. Sorry, you broke up a little bit there. I was going to say, I, I want to start uh, with the injury report. Did he give any indication of – when he expects Triple J and Julian Phillips to be available. Yeah, so he did talk about that a little bit. And going back to last week, looks like Josiah Jordan-James is still going to be day-to-day with that ankle sprain. Nothing new is changing today in terms of the game coming up on Wednesday tomorrow. And then Julian Phillips as well is now in about that same boat. I think for both of those guys, Tennessee is looking at them as not necessarily – uh, what, what word do I want to use here? Not necessarily concerning injuries, I, I think, long-term, or, or certainly when you want to look you know, towards tournament time, whether that's SEC or March, but certainly something that they're both dealing with right now. Obviously, Josiah Jordan-James with this ankle sprain and Julian Phillips with the hip flexor. What Rick Barnes said today exactly was, it'll be a game-day time decision. We won't have much on them either today, obviously. Let them try to get as healed uh, as, healed as they possibly can, if not whatever they have. They've got to go play. And so that that really was kind of 
the expected decision. Rick Barnes doesn't give too many injury updates away unless somebody is ready to go. So we're still kind of in that day-to-day range for both of them. It, again, it doesn't seem like doesn't seem like either injury is too too concerning. Obviously, this is not something where you're you're projecting them out to be in these upcoming tournaments coming up. But it is going to be really interesting to see how Tennessee battles both of these guys being out potentially for this game against Alabama on Saturday. We know that, or excuse me, on Wednesday, we know that both Phillips and James uh, are two of, obviously, Tennessee's starters, but two of Tennessee's better perimeter defenders as well. You saw yesterday, or excuse me, in the last game, how Jemai Meshack really kind of came in and stepped into his own there. I expect him to continue to play a lot more minutes if one, if not both of them are out. But ultimately, right now, still day-to-day for both Julian Phillips and Josiah Jordan-James. It's funny you should mention Meshack because I was going to ask you, you know, with Brandon Miller and Alabama coming in here, I would have thought, you know, all things being equal, that that's the kind of game where I would imagine that that would Triple J would have uh, drawn that assignment. Did you just detonate Rick? No, I did not detonate Rick. I was dealing with someone. I'm going to get Rick back, though. Okay. All right. We'll get Rick back. Uh, but as I was saying, and we'll get him back and I'll ask him, uh, basically the the two guys you have that you would um, match up defensively on Brandon Miller doesn't sound like – like I think they're going to go out there and we'll get a go or a no-go during warm-ups. And, I mean, that's – so I'm sure they'll come up with a plan. I, I imagine it'll have to be uh, – we get Rick back. Rick. Yes. Oh, sorry about, sorry that. about that, sir. I, I got things switched up. Yeah. Um, no, what it, what it was saying was, you know, with that being said, with those two guys being basically, we won't know until warm-ups. Correct. Barnes and, you know, the staff won't know until warm-ups, so we see how they can move and if they're going to be able to go. And even then, I think you would have to, you have to factor in, is Jemai Meshack at 100% better – then Triple J or, you know, with a sprained ankle or uh, Julian Phillips with a hip flexor. That not, sure. and I, I, you know, the big issue with Jemai is what he does on the offensive end, which is not not as good as his defensive uh, play. So, Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I think Jemai Meshack, obviously, he, he does really bring that energy on the defensive end and, you saw in the second half against Missouri when they told him to go in and, and you know, basically, hey, you have Kobe Brown, uh, go try to shut him down as best you can, and he did do well. But you're right, that does leave you a little bit susceptible on the offensive end based on, you know, kind of more what Julian James, uh, Julian Phillips and Josiah Jordan can bring to the table. So I think that watching Jamal Mishak right now is really interesting. Barnes did say today, you know, that, hey, he thought he did a great job on Saturday going out there and, and covering, uh, you know, Kobe Brown and whoever else that was, but that Jemai Meshek is going to have to continue putting in the work over the next week in order to be con- in order to continue be ready for those opportunities because I do think that he is going to get them more and more. I think this coaching staff is going to need to get Jemai Meshek ready. Not only is he going to be important if those guys are not able to go this game upcoming or, or the next game or however long that they're going to be out, but I do think that this is a really important guy for those late stretches when you get to the SEC tournament, when you get to March a little bit. Yes, maybe he, he doesn't give you as much on the offensive end, 
But when you need to put in a defensive stopper on the on the perimeter, Jemai Meshack is your guy. He brings an ample amount of athleticism and energy to the table that I do think is really beneficial for this Tennessee team. So they would certainly like to see him pull the trigger a little bit more on the offensive end, just you know, kind of continue some of that confidence that he's trying to build right now. But ultimately, I do think that Meshack is going to be one of the more interesting pieces to watch for the rest of February for this Tennessee team. Uh, if he could, uh, I said it on voluntary reaction the other night, and I, the more I think about it, I mean, it's not like it's some genius take or anything, but if if he could just be average offensively, he'd be one of the better players in the conference just because of how ridiculous uh, his on-ball defense is. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And he's got he's got bounce to his game. He, he, he's, he's got aggressive. obviously athleticism to his step. He's aggressive, but... You just need him to kind of figure out those shots a little bit more, get the jump shot down, get the perimeter shot down a little bit more. I think once he eventually combines all of those pieces together, like you said, this is going to be one of the better, you know, one of the better players in the country. But right now, yeah, that offense is lacking a little bit more than, especially compared to where his defense is at. Did uh, Coach Barnes give any kind of indication? You know, it was in, we had a, a BG a BJ Edwards appearance Saturday and I, I was I did he say anything about into the guards or anything that you know Tyreek Key got a lot I mean what Tyreek played the other night 37 minutes yeah going forward well, yes the the answer to your questions are yes even though a little bit different for each one of those players I believe Rick Barnes had one sentence on BJ Edwards today and just said he, he thought that BJ's minutes were good as well, just kind of in, you know, in complimentary to what Tennessee needed, especially when uh, some of those guys, you know, the guys that Ziegler got in foul trouble a little bit early. He did like what BJ brought to the table for that one minute, but otherwise he did not speak on Edwards much more than that. Tyreek Key, on the other hand, he, he did have a really fascinating, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a statement about him just saying that, hey, this is the guy that we obviously believe that we have on our team and we believe we've had this guy the entire season even if the numbers haven't already been there but what i think rick barnes is telling the team what this coaching staff is telling the team is hey you cannot be you cannot be scared on the offensive end you cannot be passing up shots that either are open or are what this team is scheming to get just because you might not feel like that shot is entirely yours rick barnes is talking to his team a lot about right now getting in rhythm early in these games even misses rick barnes believes can still get these guys in rhythm Right, as opposed to taking maybe eight, nine, ten, you know, twenty-five minutes to kind of find that shot, find that groove throughout the game. So Tyreek Key is definitely one of those guys that Rick Barnes wants to continue to shoot more, wants to continue to have the ball more in his hands on those catch and shoot opportunities, but wants him to establish a rhythm earlier and earlier in the game. I think that's a really interesting thing you saw from Tyreek Key going back to the Missouri game, right? A lot of the times in SEC play, we've seen Tyreek Key come out to a little bit of a cold start and then lose that aggression. In the last two games, though, even in both losses against Vanderbilt, Missouri, we've seen Tyreek Key maybe come out a little bit slow to start again, but this time he kept that aggressiveness. He kept that momentum, and he obviously turned it into two really impressive second-half performances, especially against Missouri as well. So I think that's kind of what Rick Barnes is talking about. Hey, even if Tyreek Key goes you know, one for five or one for six, whatever it is in that first half, he wants him to still be shooting those shots to eventually build that rhythm for the second half, or, or really just whenever that hat starts to drop. So uh, I, I do think it's really fascinating watching Tyreek Key going forward, but this, this Rick Barnes coaching staff definitely wants 
his players to keep shooting and definitely wants them to find that rhythm early in the uh, early in these games. Did the other question I had you you mentioned the phrase moving forward? Where did he give a, any indication? You know, did he talk about the the team moving forward this season. Well, I, I think yes, in the sense of you know, kind of like what I was just talking about. Some of those some of those thoughts that he was making were a little bit more broad strokes for the teams, kind of getting in the rhythm. But ultimately, I mean, they have a very tough test right now just moving forward to the next game, and that's with Brandon Miller and Alabama and a really hot uh, Crimson Tide team coming into town. So uh, I think that, yes, I mean, obviously, you know, talking about moving forward as in what's next on the horizon for them, but not necessarily moving forward in terms of, you know, things way later on in the season. They've they still got a couple of obstacles and challenges they've got to get through right now, and they are challenges. I mean, Tennessee's got two great players that are injured right now. Tennessee's got some negativity in the building. You know, well, maybe not negativity in the building, but obviously a, a little disappointment after losing two games, uh, you know, in that kind of fashion like you would expect. So I, I do think that they've got some challenges to overcome here in the next week, but it's going to be a tough test to do it against number one Alabama coming up on Wednesday. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough test. This next stretch is just beyond brutal. We go it is. from we've got number one at home Wednesday at Rupp on Saturday and then what college station on Tuesday that is correct that is it's a it's a daunting schedule and you know even looking at Kentucky like I I know Kentucky just lost to Georgia which was not necessarily a great loss even though that game was in Athens but we also know that when Tennessee and Kentucky play it can often be a throw out the record books kind of game It, it, it can be a it doesn't matter if Kentucky lost to Georgia it does it doesn't matter if maybe Tennessee's lost three straight those teams can really kind of go at, and obviously Tennessee maybe on the unfortunate end of that, having to go on the road and travel to Lexington. So I do think that is a, a pivotal game coming up, even if Kentucky is not ranked for that game, even with Tennessee being in the top ten for that game. But just, I mean, that is sandwiched in between two more tough matchups. Like you just said, obviously Alabama on the front end and Texas A&M on the back end. Those are two challenging road games to go to. I, I mean, 100%, and then you get what uh... – well, I guess if you call it, 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 it a little bit of a break, uh, South Carolina, but then you have Arkansas following that at home, and then to end the season at Auburn, um, which is is going to be a hornet's nest to walk into yep. the way that game, uh, you know, last week <laughs> ended, the controversy. Um, that's always been a pretty pretty heated rivalry. I mean, it doesn't take much to get. Tennessee and Auburn fans riled up at each other and the whole Bruce Pearl thing. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see how this season plays out. I, I think it's going to be really interesting. So I, I guess the worst part for me the other night, Rick, was that um, as bad as the first half was, um, I, I thought the second half Barnes coached about as well as he's ever coached here for a half. I thought it was really impressive the way that he was able to kind of rally the guys and especially the guys that were on the court together. You know, going back to, again, going back to the Missouri game, some of the lineups and the rotations there in the first half definitely confused me being there at the game. I, I was a little bit confused why maybe Toby, uh, Tobey Awaka was not getting too many, uh, too many minutes right there in the first half. Obviously, we talked about just a minute ago, BJ Edwards jumping in for the first time, which surprised a whole lot of people in the arena and watching at home. But then in that second half, he really found that lineup uh, that, just thinking off the top of my head, I believe it consisted of Vescovy, uh, Meshack, 
Key. Um, Tobey, yes, Tobey, Key, and then whoever else was in there. That was a small, scrappy lineup that really played well together and really gave Missouri good uh, trouble down the stretch in those minutes. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how Tennessee combats that against Alabama, who maybe uses their size a little bit more, but obviously we still know that they're, they're a hot offensive team. So how is Tennessee going to continue to mess with their lineups? I say mess, but not in a bad way. How, how is Tennessee going to continue to change their lineup throughout? Are they going to go back to the, the more two-big lineup, where you maybe have a Jonas Adu and a Tobey Awaka in there at the same time? Are they going to go to a little bit of a smaller, scrappy lineup like we saw them play well against Missouri? There's a couple of interesting questions on the table that I cannot wait to see what you know what those answers are when it comes to tip-off on Wednesday. Because Tennessee's got some options. And again, just the, the, the ability to kind of shift into that lineup in the second half, like you said, I did find that impressive from the coaching staff. Yeah, and it, it's something we, we keep going back to it on the show here. It's something that Aaron Torres um, said was it. Uh, to be successful in the NCAA tournament, you have to be able to win games in multiple ways. Multiple, sure. You know, whether that be, you know, two bigs, small ball, some mixture, whatever. And I, I guess the hope I'm holding out on is that normally with with the Rick Barnes team, uh, this time of the season, you're just mowing people down, playing your best basketball. And then what's going on with this year's team is what, kind of happens in March we kind of falter and take a step back and you know kind of lose our way and I'm hoping that we still have our best basketball in front of us and they they can get it together because if 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 they can the key to it is if Barnes can identify and hit on which which rotation needs to go um that to me is being able to win games in multiple ways I mean, I really thought that game was over at 17 down with 17 to go. I thought that was no, going to be a pretty tough exact, ask. I'm in the same exact boat with you. I, I did as well. And it's just, you know, it, it's it's clear to see how a basketball game, it, it, or excuse me, a basketball season is just like a basketball game. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. There's going to be mountaintops. There's going to be valleys. There, there's going to be a lot in between. And, and it's really just about navigating that. Yes, Tennessee did play some really good basketball earlier in the year. Yes, they're playing some, you know, obviously bad basketball right now at times, uh, especially when you go back to that Vanderbilt game. But ultimately, there's still plenty of time left in the season. I, I, obviously, I think it's, it goes without saying that Tennessee has a lot of challenges that they need to clean up over the next couple games. But there's still a lot of season left. And I think that we have seen this team be effective at times before. They've just really got to put all of it together. For me, the biggest thing about this team is that there's just such a lack of consistency from one game to the other. Actually, I'll, I'll go back to something I think Russell might have said about a week or two ago when I was listening to the show, and he said, hey, do we know who's going to be Tennessee's guy in this next game, whatever it was? And everybody at the table said, no, we don't, right? And not that you need to expect who's going to be the guy for Tennessee, but ultimately I think to Russell's point, you just don't know because of the lack of consistency. So to me, that's the biggest thing I think Tennessee needs in this last stretch of games leading into the SEC tournament is just got to find consistency. We know it's going to be there on the defensive end, but who's going to bring that consistency on the offensive end, whether it's the role players, whether it's the star players that Tennessee has. And obviously they're going to have to do all of this with wild battling injury as well. So we know that there's a lot of challenges for Tennessee coming up, but we also are going to find out here soon how they're going to attack it and how they're going to do against it. Indeed we will. Rick, uh, tell everybody where they can find your work. 
Really enjoyed having you on today and appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you, my friend. Thanks for bringing me on. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Rick underscore Butler. That is just R-I-C. And then, of course, you can go and check out uh, RockyTopPenter.com. That's where me, Ryan, Jack, we're putting all of our stuff on each and every day, trying to bring out the best Tennessee news notes and coverage we can. So follow us there, and we'll get you good to go. How's my boy Ryan doing? He, he's great. You know, we will uh, – obviously, baseball coming up this weekend in Arizona – we will have uh, we will have boots on the ground in Arizona for the Tennessee baseball tournament. So make sure you're following along. I'm excited to listen to y'all's interview that'll be coming up tomorrow. Kind of converge those things at the two, but we're definitely excited for baseball season to start rolling around here. Well, fantastic! Thank you so much for your time, Rick, and we will talk soon, my friend. Hey, thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your show. We'll talk soon. It's Rick Butler, Rocky Top Insider. See, Marcus? What? What? He started off. Oh, I know. Right here. You guys, uh, you guys know how to send him off into the world and I mean, he do did amazing things. Intern for us for three and a half years. Three years. Pretty much his whole college career was spent with me and Russell. So, a, yeah, we mentored a, him. What a way to spend your Second best years. intern in uh, the show's uh, history since I've been on here. So, I know who your first is. You 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 talk about them a lot. Yeah, Lexi. Yep. Yeah, she was fantastic. She didn't like Russell. That's why you liked her the most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she always took my side in all our argue, all our petty arguments. So, but anyhow, well, we're going to go ahead and take another break here. And we will be right back to unpack some of what Rick was talking about. Some really interesting nuggets in there. See if Marcus was listening at all. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Drive on Fan Run Radio. Huh. Winding down and wrapping up hour number one. It's gone by in a blur. Really enjoyed catching up with Rick. Does a fantastic job over there at RTI. Marcus, Rick Butler, what did you learn? Well, that Rick is your second favorite intern. That's that's you didn't find that out today. Listen, I was having phone issues. Uh, I I did learn that you know obviously look we've talked about this a little bit. I know it's been talked about during VR. I mean like this is a massive game coming up against Alabama. We got number one Alabama coming in, number ten Tennessee. It's going to be a a big matchup and. We we can't take this one lightly. Like I, I don't think we were ever going to, but like we have to get this ship turned around. Well, yeah, I mean you've got to. I'm I'm just trying. What I've been trying to do um, since Saturday night, I've just been staring at this at our remaining schedule and trying to figure out where the wins are going to come from. I mean you've got number one, and it, it it's not even arguably you have the team best team in college basketball will be in our gym Wednesday night uh, and they're also you know arch an arch rival yeah, yeah. and they're, they're playing better than I mean it's um, John or Cody once said earlier on Talk Sports they, they look like a really good G, G League team right now is what they look like I mean those guys are just so explosive so um, but then you follow that up with going to a place that for Tennessee I mean and for anybody it's incredibly hard to win in Rupp. Um, I know they're reeling right now, but 
that fan base and that team will get up for us. Mm-hmm. They've never swept Brick Barnes. Um, there's not a sweep between the two. I don't think – I think that was the stat I read between the two coaches um, since they've been facing each other, Tennessee and Kentucky. So, But incredibly hard place to play. Um, that, it's Going into College Station Tuesday night is going to be a nightmare. I mean, the, the guy that looks like a thumb, he's a pretty good coach. Yeah, he is. He, he looks like a thumb. Make no mistake there. But he's a really good coach. And, and they're playing pretty solid basketball. So, it's where do the wins come from? But anyhow, uh, before we get to the top of the hour, I want to get my man in here, Geraldo Vall. Geraldo. Hello. Como esta, mi amigo? Let's talk about what's really important today, and that was the Super Bowl commercial for the movie The Flash. Michael I, Keaton back as Batman. I did not see it, man. I haven't seen any of the commercials. <sighs> Marcus, a, did a, you see it? I did see it. I did see it. Michael Keaton's back as Batman, Bear. Is that not exciting? Uh, not really, not for me. I'll have to see the commercial. I was at a Super Bowl party where... Uh, I mean, it was with Cody, Rick, Brandon, all the guys, and nobody ever stops talking, period. We all talk over each other, and nobody has any idea what anybody is saying. We're just all talking at the same time. During And it, it's got really – like, Brandon Oric is really loud. He's a very loud person. So, no, I didn't so get to see any like commercials. A- it's kind of like a live voluntary reaction, huh? Yeah, with a with a lot of liquor injected into it, and then there, we had the guy there that was, uh, Cody. Uh, the the house I was at, there was like one of those giant ottomans, like ottoman and chair deals. Oh, yeah. We had sit on the ottoman right in front of the TV guy at the party last night. What was the What was the food spread like for you? Oh, it was tremendous. It was an assortment of charcuterie, uh, you know, finger foods, all the all the hits. They were bacon-wrapped little Smokies. Cody should have used a little bit more brown sugar and caramelized mm. them a little bit better. Uh, a yeah. slight fumble there, but other than that, it was top-notch. It was a good it grub. sounds delicious. Yeah. It sounds delicious. Um, so, so, if Michael Keaton wasn't your Batman, was it? I mean, I, I hate to go as far back as Adam West, but was, was that your Batman? My Batman? Yeah. Uh, no, I was kind of in between. Like, I'd started, I guess, Batman. Michael Keaton Batman came out when I was at UT, maybe? What year was that? 1989. 1989. Yeah, I would have been at UT. So I was kind of in that in-between. I, I mean, I, I know I went and saw it, but... Like my Batman would probably be like, is this may sound crazy? You got like Christian Bale. Oh, that's not crazy. Why is that crazy? Christian Bale. Uh, I'll I'll tell you who I who I kind of liked. I, I I find myself I've watched this movie like four times now. The last Batman that just came out. Robert Pattinson. Yeah, that, he's it's a good one. That's that's a dark one, but 
Uh, I thought you were going to say George Clooney with the. Uh, no, no, that was that the, was that was that was garbage. But I am a big suit. fan of uh, Adam West. Back in the day, when I was like when I was a little kid, that that was in reruns, like heavy on on TBS. So you'd you'd see that after school or like during the summer in the mornings and stuff. So. So little known fact: Adam West was a huge ball for life. Did you know that? No, I did not. Um, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Really? I just made that up. That's a, that's a total lie. I was just trying to tie it back into Tennessee. I did start to look that up something. too. What is wrong yeah. with you, man? Come on here when Russ sitting here acting up. What'd you think about the Sorry. halftime show, Geraldo? Uh, so I was putting my daughter to bed, so I missed the whole thing. Um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't really watch it to be honest with you. I th- I thought I was hoping because I, I would have figured you would have liked it, and maybe not from simply from the. That's the coolest looking thing they've ever done with those platforms. A, Just from I the staging. Say, I did see them floating on platforms or something like that. Yeah, like I've never seen yeah. anything like that. Like that that was wild to me, and the music. I don't know. I'm older, you know, and I, I don't. I mean, I know some of her songs, but I don't get all up in the air about all the culture war stuff but I mean it, it you know but it, the, the I just thought it looked half, cool the best halftime show that there's ever been it wasn't during the Super Bowl it was during the Thanksgiving game I want to say in 2001 not long after September 11th Creed performed and there was a man Cowboy Stadium flying through the air back and forth oh it's a, it was is, incredible without a doubt the best halftime show of all time i wouldn't go that far it was no up with people geraldo wrap it up for us here you got anything else i i do not except go vols i hope the basketball team figures it out what's going on what's going on they need a geraldo speech i I (laughs) told you that you don't you don't call in with any motivational speeches for the guys on Fridays, I, I kind of feel like yeah. you've got until Wednesday afternoon to to come up with something to mo- to motivate and inspire our beloved Tennessee Volunteers to go out and take down number one Alabama in Thompson Bowling Arena Wednesday night. Geraldo, are you up to the challenge? We'll see. Uh, Santiago Vescovi has some personal beef with me, so um, I don't know if he'll do any good. I just made that up too. Bye, guys. Love you. <laughs> the hell is wrong with him? Just making stuff up on the fly. There's nothing. Uh, you can't believe anybody anymore. I'm, I'm gullible as hell. Well, he, he also says he that, speaks with such certainty and authority, such genuine demeanor. Yeah, it's like how can you, how could you not believe Geraldo Vol? I, I, I want to believe it. I literally was looking up where Adam West was from to find out if he was a Vols fan. I would have been the coolest thing ever if the original Batman, Adam West, had been a Tennessee fan. God, he's going to be Russ's. I feel like we're disappointing him. <laughs> uh, careening into the end of hour number one. Uh, well, that's it for hour number one. We'll be back in here in just a few minutes with hour number two of The Drive. Marcus Young will be in with your top four at four right here on Fan Run Radio.